Welcome to Mission Control, Product Design's podcast on everything business, tech, and marketing. Since 2008, Peralta Design has launched hundreds of successful brands. Join Ramon and the PD Flight crew as they use decades of combined experience to tackle current events and interview guests while dropping valuable industry knowledge. At Peralta Design, we launch brands. But for now, let's launch right into this episode. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and Everybody. Welcome to Mission Control. This is your host, Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands. And we've got a great show, a very inspiring show, sure to be motivating and inspiring show with a with a friend of mine, uh, Amanda Matola. Please welcome Amanda Matola to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, Amanda. So you have written a book, Learning as a Lifelong Journey. Being your leader, overcoming your fears, and succeeding in your career. And you are also the founder um, of Ultra Way and Ultra Swag. So I can't wait to dive all into that and learn more about it. So um, today is Red Cup Day. Red, red is, our, is our color here, but that is an official holiday at Starbucks, apparently. Yes, yeah, so it's one of their biggest promotion days of the entire year. And um, it's one of the days that their that their team is probably the most stressed. Yeah, absolutely. And and Jorge, forgive me, I I skipped you uh, for the introduction since we're we're down we you know we're down a Kevin, but we do have a Jorge on the soundboard. Right, so. exactly. We try to fill his shoes again. That's that's a, that's a tall <laughs> order, but I'll do my best. Do your best. You got this. Um, and we're testing out some new lighting and a clapper, and we're trying to bring you an even better show. And it soon soon will be on YouTube in its full glory. But um. So apparently all these workers, as, as I drink my latte here um, that we made in-house in the PD, the PD baristas, um, apparently the, 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 the workers just walked out because um, it, it's, a, it's a recurring theme when they have these promotional days that, that bring in so many people that they're short-staffed. And so they, you know some of the workers are feeling like we can't provide the same level of service. People are upset. We got to deal with them and, and management apparently is not listening. So this is their move to, uh, to send a message, you know, that they need, they need, you know, they want better pay. They want better, more people on those promotional days. And, and I guess I'm not, I, I love Starbucks, but I'm not like a big, I'm not hip to all of their holidays, but I guess they have a, a bunch of these promotional days that come up. Right. And it's one of those things where, the biggest impact is felt from any think about like the real, most recent rider strike, right? Like the, like you really hit this the most yeah. when you can hit the wallet the hardest. Yeah. And that's when the biggest difference is made. Cause otherwise, you know, it's not much of a threat. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Even with the upcoming uh, Vegas Grand Prix, that's this upcoming weekend there, uh, the culinary um, union decided to, to strike for a similar reason. Like mm-hmm. they were going to, it was literally taking them, uh, like a 10 minute drive was taking them three to five hours and they weren't getting compensated for that. And they kept saying, Oh bro, don't worry. You guys are going to get covered in tips. And they were, they showed the data like, Hey, listen, yeah, we don't not? have like, actually we don't. So, yeah. um, yeah. Good I, on just, them. I just wonder if it's like a matter of like poor planning, yeah. which it doesn't seem like, right. Cause if they do this repeatedly and it's not the only promotion, you would think that more than one person has been complaining or, you know, yeah, and it, it, right, and if it's a strike that's made the news, then this is this has just been going on, yeah. and it happens at a lot of 
their their uh, stores, a lot of their coffee shops, because uh, obviously they've they've communicated, organized, and and they're sending a message, you know, that that they need help. But th- this is the season, this the season, as they say, of of all these promotions. But it's also as we move into the holidays, unfortunately, scam season. Yeah. Um, I, I've been getting a ton of them in the e- by email. I got one today. In fact, it looked like it was a proposal. And you know, we're we're dealing in proposals on a constant basis. Like, it, right? It's our bread and butter. RFPs come in. You double click it. You download it. You open it. You know, you 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 upload it. You email one. You attach. And so when you get one, it's if you're in the like high D, you know. ADHD, whatever. If you're if you're in your groove and you're checking off your to do list, it's very easy to grab one of these, download it, and open it. And next thing you know, you're compromised. And and uh, you know, um, Amanda and I were talking. If you want to share a little yeah, bit about what's happening at your business, that's pretty scary. Yeah. So we um, engaged with a vendor to do a like f- full scope uh, web development project um, for this new platform that we're launching. So it's pretty involved. We had multiple, you know web designers, um, developers declined to do, to take on the job because they said it was out of their scope, which we respect, right? If you can't do something, don't say you can do it. And, um, you know, we worked with this company for a while, kept canceling meetings, and then it got to the point where we're like, we're not getting what we asked for. Um, and we then got ghosted, which was fun. I know that's a thing that uh, all the- Yeah, that's from the dating scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? I don't know that happened in business so much, but- um, <laughs> Yeah, so we we ended up engaging with a new developer who did some research into this company and found out that the silent partner is silent for a reason. He was convicted to the tune of $4.5 million in oh fraud. Oh, my God. Wow. And got out of prison and is now doing the same darn thing to, um, you know, small business owners. So he kind of courted you with, a, with like, uh, did you guys have an RFP out there? How did yeah, you know so you guys were looking for a vendor? We met at a uh, business expo. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so he's there like a predator. He's like a predator. If it's, that's what it feels like yeah. now, looking back on it. Yeah, and it's it's just such a shame, you know, because I think most business owners, you know, go into business because they, you know, yeah. they want to do good work. Yeah. you know, they want to engage with people, grow their business, you know, help their families, and so to be kind of like preyed on in that way and just um, you know taken advantage of. It's just it honestly it hurts. It's it's it it's does. a major bummer and it's a major setback, but it's something that we're not going to let you know define or derail us. And unfortunately. You know, we've met some other people that they've hurt mm-hmm. and in some cases it, it you know really messed them up so um you know I, I just hope that we can use this as a learning experience not only for ourselves and you know do better vetting of our yeah. vendors that we engage with but also educate other people um, our clients and you know uh, just other folks to, to just be careful yeah absolutely and and you and i go way back i i wanted to kind of kind of give a background but you know you were in the promotional product space back in the day and and and, and a local firm and and uh, you and i met at that uh, some some of these networking groups and, and it's all relationships and so when you let somebody in to your circle to do business with them especially at an expo i mean i was just saying this to the team this morning where i remember i was we use the superhero analogy quite a bit and uh that we're that you know all of us have bring our superpowers in but it, you know, um, there are super villains out there, yeah. unfortunately. You know, like we, we can get lulled into comfort of when you're fortunate enough to work with good people most of the time that you can you can let your guard down a little bit and assume and be too trusting in people and think, yeah, they're going to pay us or, yeah, they're not scamming us. You wouldn't even think they're going to scam you if you met them at a show and, and 
they and they presented as legit and now with with the internet and and uh technology um things aren't what they seem yeah you know, things aren't what they seem and there are some some bad actors out there and um you know fortunately we hope that the good continues to outweigh the bad but but Jorge might you share a few tips for for our listeners on how to kind of avoid if possible these type of scams sure thing and the biggest thing is is just being aware right yeah. awareness is the really the first step because there was a time when you would just trust everything that came through your inbox that came through your phone and um that is ultimately the weakest part of any security system yeah. is the human element, right. right? Because you could have the most expensive, the highest rated, you know, security firewalls in the world, but it's always that human element that's going to let people in. So just being aware that the attacks are out there and really to question everything, right? Um, the, the first thing to do is check where the link is actually sending you, right? There's a bunch of text scams, a bunch of email scams that are presenting the phishing attempt is that they're posing as an entity that they're actually not. And it's big for them to be able to gain that trust. And you think it's UPS or Apple right, right. or... Um, the U.S. You know, Postal Service. <laughs> right, exactly. And you end up putting in sensitive information. Um, you know, people will pose as Microsoft and get their your, get your login credentials that way. And it's not until something's fishy and it doesn't look like it's, log it's working or logging in um that people that you'll be able to even see what's going on and they'll make a replica of you know the home page where you were logging all the time so the first thing is check the link and where it's actually resolving and check the address in your url bar and see okay where is this actually taking me um something to back that up too is because even that is a good you know, people can mask that pretty well um you can also check the ssl certificates if you click on the little lock in the left hand corner of your browser there is an option where you can look and see where the certificate is validated and that'll continue to back that up because oftentimes those things, those two things don't match. Um, and that's, that's another, you know, really a first step. Um, and then in terms of like, what can you do otherwise? Like it's important that you get a, um, you know, you, you're either user, utilizing a vendor that has it built in, but like a good virus scanner for everything that comes and gets downloaded from your machine. Um, but it doesn't take much, you know, really, as soon as you click on the link, that's something that plays, you know, that's going to, that's going to potentially open you up and everything else on your network. So it's really important that you make sure your team is also aware. And, and um, you know, the bigger companies do, you know, really the, the, the best practice is to, to test it, right. You know what I mean? Throw a red herring out there every once in a while and see, you know, because you need to be able to. No. See, to see who your weakest link is. Exactly, or, and be able to, to, to train yeah. that. So, um, you know, that was another big thing. Also, just check in with the actual people, right? Because another thing that happens yeah, all the time. That's true. You see people's social media accounts get hacked, and now they're slinging Bitcoin. I'm like, hmm, I didn't know that uh, Joe was into Bitcoin. Like, what's going on? Something looks weird. And then, you know, they're using the trust that you have in that person. Right, exactly. To be able to get through you. So it's great to double check with everybody, right? If you get an email that you weren't expecting from somebody, skip that because if their email has been compromised or their social media account's been Don't compromised. Don't email them back. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Pick up <laughs> the phone. It's not them. Right. Give them a ring to be able to, be able yeah. to verify. And that happened them. locally with a big company, well-known company here in, in the Valley that uh, the CIO or no, the, the uh, CFO received an invoice for quite a large sum of money, like 75K or something like that. And, and 
it was a legit invoice. You know, like somehow they they were able to either intercept an invoice, but it was legit, and um, and they 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 posed as this company that they had done business with, and they were like, oh yeah, sure, if you wouldn't mind um, wiring, you know, ACH the money over, and they provided credentials that weren't of that company's. They were their own, you know, they were the scammers and. This the CFO just sent the money, and then later on it was like, company was like, "Oh yeah, we haven't gotten paid," and they were like, "Wait a minute, we we thought we paid you." And, oh gosh. And all it would have taken was it's a step because I'm guilty of it. I I I move at a high rate of speed. I just be due to volume, it pays to slow down because that person could have called and said, hey, I got a request for ACH information. I just want to verify this is you. Had he called them, yeah. they would have been like, no, we didn't do that. But he just, you know, you're, you're just you're just putting out fires. You're doing your tasks. You're going through your to-do list. And it's real easy. It happens to major companies. So uh, Well, that's hard, too, because it's ACH, right? At least with us, we paid credit card. Yeah. So there's, like, some, some action that we can take. Yeah. But if you pay in another means, like. Yeah, you're out. Yeah. yeah. But. You know, if, if you're set up at, on ACH terms with that company and you, that's just maybe not, that's a costly mistake. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a shame. I know. Uh, well, um, we're going to take a break and uh, we want to get into your story. Uh, we want to learn about these businesses and, and, and just your, your testament uh, and your resiliency. So uh, stay tuned and we'll be right back after these words. This episode here is brought to you by the Connecticut uh, Small Business Boost Fund. It gives small business owners access to flexible funding for capital expenditures and working capital and connects them with support services. Small businesses and nonprofits can borrow between $5,000 and $500,000 depending on eligibility and need. And you can spend how you spend the money. It could be equipment, payroll, utilities, supplies, marketing, advertising, all that good stuff. And they're very low interest over a 60 to 72 month term. You can get more information and you can apply at ctsmallbusinessboostfund.org. And we're back, and that was just a little bit of Glamorous by Fergie at the request of our special guest, Amanda Matola. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. I mean, this is a, a long time coming. We, we've, uh, again, like I mentioned, we've known each other from networking groups, and, and you've been in the promotional branding uh, space, marketing space, and, and now you've authored a book, which it's very revealing. You go into your past, your background, um, the, the challenges you faced, uh, I think is going to inspire a lot of people. Uh, take our listeners through that process. Yeah, of course. So um, I'm pretty much an open book. I'm, I'm very open about my adoption. Um, in 1989, I was born in Asuncion, Paraguay, uh, during the Strassner dictatorship. And he was exiled by his general um, and sent to Brazil. And after that, there was a lot of um, human trafficking that occurred of babies uh, for probably about, I'd say like up to five years it was wow. happening. A lot of the babies ended up coming to the U.S. Um, the American families that 
you know, adopted really had no idea, right? They were going through agencies, doing everything right on their part. They just wanted to, you know, adopt a little baby. And, um, you know, I ended up coming to New York, got my citizenship. I was about one years old and then I moved to Connecticut and I grew up here, but I decided to write the book. The pandemic had just happened. Um, I was pregnant. I had my son in 2021 and I was cooped up. And it seems as though every time I birth a baby, I birth some sort of other <laughs> project, whether it be a business or in this case, a book. You gave birth in more ways than I, one. Yeah, I guess so. So, you know, for four months, um, I had the blessing to be able to like nurse both my kids. And I was cooped up and was spending way too much time on Amazon. So I decided to kind of um, revert my energy into finishing a book or writing a book because I hadn't even started one. Um, I've been wanting to do it since third grade. I've always loved writing and just being like creative and talking and sharing stories. So I decided to compile stories from my life and stories of other people that have impacted me and include like little like mini stories, almost like chicken soup for the soul. And uh, this was really important to me because adoptees are four times more likely to um, attempt suicide. And um, they're, I think, two or three times more likely to get involved with um, like drug abuse and just some um, not great habits and just like life activities. And I wanted to create a book that would help people who not only were adopted, but just feeling that sense of disarray in life and that detachment and confusion, which I think honestly everyone felt during the pandemic. I know as an extreme extrovert, the pandemic for me was very hard. And um, I just moved to a new state and it was just um, honestly a nightmare. And I think it was for a lot of people. So this book for me was not only a way, a therapeutic outlet for me to kind of get through some stuff in my personal life, but also pay tribute to people that have impacted me and hopefully help other people you know, know that there's hope and that they can do whatever they want to do. And, you know, that there's always a learning lesson in every decision, you know, every good and bad experience. And that it's important to kind of, you know, as one of my mentors um, who um, has since passed, like she always told me to turn the elevator down. And that's something that I will always do um, because people have always done it for me. So, yeah, it's a little bit about my book. Um, it's interactive, which I thought was very important because um, as someone who um, is a little scattered sometimes, when I'm just reading straight through a book, if there's not activities or things to engage me, I sometimes get a little, you know, a little lost. So or what distracting. kind of, act you mean like you start after a chapter, there are some like thought provoking yeah, questions? So, so there's like, so, so there's a chapter and then it's broken up to sub chapters with okay. many stories. And at the end of a chapter, there'll be actionable like challenges. So sometimes I'll, I'll ask people to, you know, when you come across a veteran, say thank you. And sometimes people are just so in their own world that there's people with veteran hats walking around all the time. Right. And so I always have made it a point to teach my sons and, my, and myself. I always thank them. Um, and sometimes I get to hear their story. Right. So it's not always their hat. It's their brother who passed. Yeah. And they're like, thank you. Like he's, you know, he's in heaven now. But, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, it's just people get so stuck in their own ways, their own life that they forget that there's so many blessings and connections all around them. At what age did you, you said three was when you wanted to write a book. Oh, third, I, third grade. Third grade, nine. Yeah. third grade. Um, at what point do you start wondering, 
When did you notice that you looked different, for example, from your adopted family? Oh, since I was little. And my parents always told me as soon as I could walk and talk, yeah. they were, you know, explaining to me, like, you know, you're Hispanic, you're from South America, like you're special. Like, you know, um, they showed me Nenduti, which is the country's national lace. They showed me where it was on the map. Yeah. They always tried Good to make them. me feel like connected, which That's I think awesome. is really important because even like just, you know, even though they did that for me. Middle and high school, I, I would say it was pretty rough. And even younger than that, because kids would be like, why don't you look like your parents? And, you know. Yeah, kids are. <laughs> kids they don't understand. Yeah. yeah, I know. They, they're brutally honest and they can just be so mean. Exactly. And it's just, um, you know, it's important for me to like share that because people sometimes think they're being compassionate when they say like when they ask certain questions or say like, oh, you know, you're so lucky to be here. You're so, you know, blessed for this. And. You know, you never know what's going on in someone's head right. and what they're combating internally because, you know, I know people that have like the the best upbringings, right? Like the best situations, and there's they some don't people. Turn out so great. No, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know some people that aren't here anymore, and yeah. it's just um, you never know. Mm -hmm. And so, just giving people that space to, you know, express themselves and just respect what they have to say, yeah. you know, not place your your preconceived judgments on them or how you think they should mm -hmm. be feeling or acting. Um, Did you ever meet um, brothers or sisters? Oh, yeah. In 2014, I traveled down using Google and Facebook and found my family. Are you serious? Yeah. So there's like a section in the book about that. Um, so really, like when I say learning, you know, as a lifelong when journey, it truly you, is. They, like your, your accent, you're like American. Oh, yeah. Getting uh, like all yeah. the way. Like what was that like? So I first went to Paraguay and, oh my gosh, looking back on it. Uh, so I was recently diagnosed with ADHD and... Um, they say that people with ADHD are impulsive, that they are scattered, <laughs> that they are risk takers, and that they, what else? All the qualities empathy, of a leader. <laughs> empathy, right? <laughs> um, so I met someone online, yeah. which just could have gone horribly wrong looking back on it. I went to Paraguay. He, he drove us out to the country. Like, this has, like, crime story written all over oh, it. No. And by, like, the grace of God, this guy was legitimate. There's no, like, service out there. You're, like, going no, into the No, this the was, Amazon. like, the country. We were outside yeah. of Asuncion, and there was chickens and horses walking around the streets. <laughs> I was like, my goodness, where am I? It definitely felt like the Twilight Zone. And, um, you know, thank God, you know, it was, everything was legitimate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as soon as we walked, well, the, the gentleman was... um multilingual he spoke mm -hmm. guarani which is the nationals language na country's national language most people in paraguay they speak spanish if they're wealthier okay. they speak english if they're very wealthy and educated they speak guarani if they're just anyone um and more i didn't like, know more this. like the indigenous yeah, language yeah, yeah which is very difficult so my family is very poor down there so they only speak guarani and like like people would call here like spanglish like their version. Kind of like a patois, like a broken Yeah, mix. oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was important that we had Daniel with us. Um, he's actually helped like dozens of people find their families. Wow. He's a lawyer down there, and lawyers don't have great, you know, reputations in South America. So like the fact that he was so legitimate and so kind. He's a humanitarian, um, I mean. Oh, yeah. The work he's doing. Yeah, he's just a really good person. Has like, a, you know, his family, yeah. met his family. But when he was there any fear from your family here that if you oh, yeah. found your family that you would want to come back to them? Because I mean, for them, you're you're their daughter. Sure. Yeah. I I think I didn't go before that because I think there was some fear um, with the country with all the corruption that happens down there. Paraguay actually had an issue after the couple years after I was down there. It came out that there was like this FIFA scandal down there. And there in Asuncion, there was like this like soccer hub sort of 
this facility where they gave soccer players and coaches full immunity. So they could like really do anything. Yeah. And there was no punishment because they soccer is so big. People exactly. Whatever, yeah. So this like came out afterwards. So the country, you know, definitely has had issues with corruption. I mean, a lot of countries yeah. in South America, as you know, have some problems yeah, with drugs and other things. And drugs exactly. And yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, my parents, I think were definitely nervous. My mom actually went with me. My oh, adopted okay. mother went with me okay. to Paraguay. And then the next year I went to Argentina because that's ultimately where my birth mom was. She had left okay. because people leave Paraguay and go to Argentina. Almost like people, Mex Mexicans will come to the U.S. for opportunity. Right, right. Paraguayans either go to Spain or Argentina. So my siblings, five of them are down there. Wow. Nine aunts and uncles. Met my grandfather. It's just like, it was wild. It's still... You know, it's still just a crazy experience to reflect on. And you, and you have Motola is Italian, I'm assuming. Yeah. So now you and you also have a, probably a rich uh, family of Italians. You know, like with the culture and the food and everything. So you you have you kind of have both cultures in your life. Yeah. So that's actually my kid's father's name, mm -hmm. and um, they did 23 and Me, and they're actually not really Italian. <laughs> Oh, no. So there's, I would say there's, there's good food and, and yeah, rich culture, okay. but I would say it's very much American culture, yeah, yeah. but it's funny. Cause you, you, um, yeah, like they always just assumed and then they did yeah. the 23 me and they're like mostly English and French and I'm yeah, like, what happened? Like, yeah, yeah. And that's an Italian city. So it's just, it's, um, Who knows? it's funny when you actually look back into the origin and some of the book, I actually challenge people cause I, I think you can't get into your future and your purpose unless you, you kind of revisit the past. Mm. So I often like reflect back on my past, right? Um, especially in harder points in my life, I like to look back and just kind of like see how far I've come because it's easy to lose sight of that, especially running a business, you know, and, you know, like remotely, like I'm familiar with like your story and how you got to where you are. And it's just, everyone has a story, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we get so stuck in the social media, all these apps, all these things to do, the emails we have to check, you know, the kids going to practice and, and you forget to like reflect on and be like, well, damn, I've come a long way. Mm. You know, I'm not who I was even six months ago. And um, I think my book helps to encourage people to look at the hard stuff that they don't necessarily want to look at. But when you don't look at those hard things, like it doesn't end well, you know, and um, you can't get to that next step that you need to get to, um, whether you believe in like God or not. Like yeah. I very much do. And I just feel like I needed to take a hard look at myself and at some points, like hit may maybe not what other people perceive as like rock bottom, but hit that really low point to kind of like hit that trajectory to go up. And like sometimes I feel like you need that almost as like like a rude awakening, like, hey, you need to slow down, take care of your health. Like this is like a reality check. Um, and usually when those happen, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, you know, this summer experiencing that, like, you know, the the fraudulent vendor it just that was rough um and we're still picking up the pieces from it but it hurts when anybody takes your trust yeah yeah you're just like oh man yeah like I, I believed in this person and or that victim kind of mindset you, mm -hmm. you get like you blame yourself you know you look back at what were the signs what did, yeah. I, what did I not how did I miss see that? how did I miss that I'm smart you know yeah. um, how did he get me you know it's a terrible terrible feeling and then it's also like I, I mentioned earlier the reminder that there are some super villains out there there are mm -hmm. some bad people out there and, and we have to remain vigilant um without giving away too much of your book because I, I do want you to to mention where people can can get it um 
what's another kind of turning point in your life that 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 was almost therapeutic to put into this book sure uh, definitely the adoption um i also think like motherhood mm-hmm. for me was big because like i said i birthed a baby and then i also that's when i started my business got laid off by a company in connecticut that went down south um and you know, it was like the loss of a job, you know, and I identify very much, I always have with like a job and a career right. and doing something. So like to lose that and then also like feel like you lose a part of yourself in motherhood, like that for me was a really hard time. And then, um, you know, God decided to uh, also, <laughs> maybe not so much bless me with, but uh, Hashimoto's disease. So this autoimmune disease that it's becoming more prevalent for women, especially after that babies. And it's like the like the medical community doesn't know how to handle it or they don't know how to really like address it yet. Um, but what it's affecting it? so many people. It's thyroid. It's a thyroid okay. disease. Okay. So it's an autoimmune disease, but it makes you really lethargic. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a big bummer, honestly. And it then, is, especially if you got, if you're running after two little ones and you're yeah. tired, yeah. they're making you tired already. <laughs> exactly. So it's, um, I would say, you know, I, I touched upon that in the book, yeah. uh, just Hashimoto's disease, um, like what to look out for, like mental health, because mm-hmm it's often triggered by extreme stress and also like hormonal changes. So a baby, you know, it's like, it's literally that. on top of this, you're you're cooped up during COVID with them. And, and, and I, but I always remember our conversations being that you, you you got laid off. Yes. But you were working from home so you could be with the kids. It was kind of like, there was always a silver lining. Oh yeah. And I think that's important perspective to have. Yeah. um, I grew my business with them home, you know, and that was such a gift and I was able to still, like start creating something and it's been, you know, it was a slower start because I was doing it um, kind of like part-time and they were my priority. They're still on my priority. Um, but it gave me the opportunity to figure out what I want to do. And it's evolved. Like as you, I'm sure your business has evolved, you know, since its inception. And, and you know, I, I was frustrated by that at first thinking like, Oh, I just want to get there. I just want to get there. But now I see that it's, it truly is like life's a journey. Right. And business is like, business is just that as well except it's a separate journey right like you're going through your own you know your own life stuff personally and professionally but when you have your business it's like this weird collision of the two together now you have the former paraguayan ambassador on here i do how'd you manage that i i was broke um (laughs) and i funded my trip to find my family Mm -hmm. post-college because i charged um tuition to a credit card which is a poor idea and um I funded my trip to find my family with recycled water bottle deposits. Wow. And he caught wind of it because he was the ambassador, the Paraguay ambassador to the U.S., so he was in D.C., and he saw it in his like, RSS feed. So anything that was about his country, he was getting, he was uh, getting notified. notified. So it was like a, a merit and record journal. Um, they did two, a couple articles on it. And, and they were like, um, who's this girl with this gigantic bag of uh, bottles yeah. going? I was going, I was like, <laughs> redeeming. Because I didn't want to take money from people. So I was like, oh, well, I'll learn it this way. But that shows it was what a you're lot made of. of. Like, you're, you're, you're willing to put in the work, That's, the determination. I remind myself that because, like, I don't think my story is anything special. But when I talk to other people and they're like, you funded your trip <laughs> with Recycled water bottles. You traveled you to two country, countries <laughs> without that's knowing great. anyone. That's determination. You know? Yeah. It's just so many of these qualities. Yeah. And the, the thing, too, that... You, you, now you got... I mean, I, I don't want to start another combo, but <laughs> the people that are at the bottom of the exit ramps, like, asking for money, like, 
you went out there and like made it happen. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you weren't like panhandling, you, you put yeah. the work in and, and uh, that's. And honestly it paid off, right? Yeah. Like not everyone, I, I've helped a couple of people try and find their families and some people don't have that, the results that I had. Like yeah. my family's friends with me on Facebook and like we keep in touch and they've never once asked me for money. Like they're just, they just love to have me in their life. Right. So I was really lucky. Um, but it was such a crazy experience. And I remind myself that like when I'm in tough times or feeling like stuck or like, you know, I tell my son, we don't say I can't in the house. I listen to Matthew McConaughey's um, green light book. And he says like his dad like would whoop him <laughs> if he, if they said <laughs> I can't, you know, he's like, we don't say I can't in this household. And I really, I adopted that because I mm -hmm. like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you can't do something, it's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. You can never not like, there's never anything that you can't do. There's a way, especially now with the internet and everything, there's a way, there's resources, lean on other people. Um, but yeah, so I, I think back on that when I'm in points where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this or, yeah, you know, feeling that imposter awesome. syndrome. And um, well, this is going to help a lot of people. And before we switch gears to your to your company, where can people find the book? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay. Um, you could also go to um, amandamatola.com and um, I'm amanda.marie.matola on Instagram, you could DM me too. Um, I kind of fluctuate between, uh, you know, different parts of New England. So if mm -hmm. I'm if I'm in your area, I I sell them out of my out of my trunk too. Oftentimes, people are buying, <laughs> buying them from me at the grocery store. Um, Hustler. Yeah. So let's switch gears a bit here. You're the CEO of Ultraway, a marketing agency based in New England, and so there is also a, a nonprofit arm that we want to get into. Uh, you know, and, and it's launching, yeah, right, tomorrow or something like that. So t tell our listeners how you started this company, what's it about, and, and yeah. then we'll go into the nonprofit. So I've always loved the promotional product space. It's just so fun, you know, um, and everyone knows what it is. They, most companies use the products. Um, there's a like correlation between, exactly, there's like correlation between return on investment, right? Um, people who wear branded shirts while they're out working, um, you know, the, the visibility is, is so high. Mm -hmm. Um, and the professionalism, there's just so many good points to doing it. It also helps with morale and, um, kind of like, you know, um, retention too. Yeah. So we started off as a promo company cause that's what I knew best and that's what I enjoyed. That's how I met you. Yeah. You, you were doing, you were doing that in Stratford. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah. um, you know, I was doing that. You could do it from, you know, from home. So it was flexible with the kids and then, um, you know, when I was living in Rhode Island, I didn't have a network. So I had to really start off from square one. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic, when that happened, I was literally two and a half months into having my business there. And the world shut down. And I was thinking like trade shows, <laughs> events. And I was like, yeah. oh, goodness, this is a, this is a, problem. <laughs> it's <laughs> this a, a problem. It's such a crazy curveball that so many people's story of how they dealt with it. You know what I mean? Because it couldn't have, well, no one was prepared for it, right. for it to it come terrible. at that time. And then you, not only... It's not only localized to you, but everything gets affected. You well, know what I mean? And I think, too, for me, it triggered, like, some anxiety because then I started thinking, like, oh my gosh, what if we, like, never go back to anything normal? And for a while, people were saying, like, this is going to stay like this forever. Nothing's going to change. And, like, hearing that over and over again was, like, really <laughs> overwhelming. I believe that things were going to get, you know, to some sort of normal at some point, right? I think people... As people, we crave that human connection. You don't realize how much of a social creature you are until it's you're taken, denied. Yeah. And even for it's those crazy. of us, I think, who are, who are more introverted. But still, it comes down to the thought of having to to kind of live in that. When, when, when we were really locked down, 
you know, so many people got impacted because they didn't realize. There was a point where yeah. we were all like afraid, like yeah, literally was, afraid to go that. outside. Right. Like yeah. you, that was like your fear. Like you didn't know because the news <laughs> did such a good job of scaring the heck yeah, out of us. It I was, was like, terrified. hey, this person just got a cold, but this person just dropped dead and he was only 30. And you're yeah. like, okay, so whatever this is, it could affect people differently. Like that's right. what scared the crap yeah. out of me. The key, because... I think, was stepping away from the news because <laughs> yes. at one point you had to. I was working. <laughs> I was. I remember I set up my home office. I got my third monitor, and one of them was just dedicated to news. So yeah. I would be because I felt on like edge. I wanted to be on the pulse of whatever happened. If they so cured this, you wanted to know. Whatever. Right. If things got worse, yeah. I wanted to. Know. I didn't want to be a surprise. But then that became the biggest mental. Yes. Yeah. I downloaded one of those cop radar apps. Oh God. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. I was about to like, you know, be like, I'm a civilian cop. Like I was, I was, it was bad. And, um, it, you know, it really wasn't good for me. And oh. honestly, like you're listening to that. I would never listen to that otherwise. Like right. Like I just went to the state of panic. And the police scanner. Yeah. And like, hey, like uh, what was I going to do? Breaker, breaker, one nine, whatever. I mean, things happen. Bad things happen all the time. Like my brother's a cop in Connecticut and like bad things happen all the time. And like, it's there's a reason that we're not aware of all of it. There's a reason we shouldn't be aware of it all because it's not good for the average person. Actually, it's not good for anyone. It's like overload. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, so what um, was it like in the early days that you going through the pandemic? You 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 still persisted like I'm 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 doing this thing. You just start networking. What did you? Yeah, do? I um I joined a BNI group. Mm -hmm. I just started meeting with people, like mm -hmm. finding virtual like meetups and mm -hmm. events. So, you know, it it wasn't. And I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I bought like a ton of sanitizer thinking I was going to like sell through it. And like I didn't properly execute it. So like I donated it to all the fire and police stations. <laughs> you know, just learning, it's learning. It's crazy that you say that. I point. still have hand sanitizer. It was hard to like, find at one it point. It was impossible yeah. to find at one point. So yeah. I remember loading up. And I still have so many. Yeah. I, I bought so much toilet paper. Like I was like buying You're stuff. You're the person for, that I didn't was buy buying so, it? I mean, we, we had we had like a couple things. And just like I was buying like water pellets. Like, you know, like water cleaning pellets. And I was buying like canned goods. Like, Doomsday yes. uh, preparation. Oh my goodness. It was. Yeah. And I got a, like a little mini solar panel to charge my laptop. Like I, they, they make branded ones. So I was like, oh, okay check out the sample and like you know, yeah. try it out but it's just um i think it made a lot of people do some like crazy things yeah. you know and i just um it was it was hard and being stuck home with your kids all the time um i love them or at that one at that point i just had my one son and it was just a lot like yeah. trying to work trying to juggle them i know there was a mass exodus of women leaving the workforce yeah. which like breaks my heart and there's still you know women trying to get back into it and it's just um you know, it it taught I think a lot of people, um, like what they're made of, yeah, and I think absolutely. it broke a lot of people. Um, but you know, I think one of the blessings that came from that was I got to spend a lot of quality time with my son, mm. and um, <clears throat> I got to. It, it's caused me to slow down a little bit with my company and just think, like, because I was going like a mile yeah, a minute, yeah. and it helped me kind of think a little bit more. Um, we did like you know family walks like daily and we were trying to like get outside what a blessing things. though i mean because you you were able to do that um yeah other people wouldn't have that yeah i think that the the line blurring between work and home uh became a challenge and yeah. that i remember that being a challenge in like where does where does work stop and where yeah. does home start yeah, and how I, do you work 24 hours i think that's become a challenge like across the board you know, you see a lot of um, companies that didn't go back to the office. And I think that what I'm hearing from people 
is that like, oh, you know, my wife's working these crazy hours because she's not commuting now. So rather than filling that, like that that time with something for, you know, their self or their family, it's now going back to work. And I don't see that being a healthy thing, right? Because now you're losing that human contact still. The pandemic's gone, but it's like, it's still like, lingers and yeah, like, and your cycles are off because like there's there's something to be said for like what time are you gonna be home uh, i'll be home at 6 30 uh, okay i'll have dinner ready and yeah you know like routine but if you don't have those break points oh i'm not ready to eat yet i'm working and then the yeah. other person eats and then that person's like all right i'm going to bed and then you're yeah. like well i'm gonna stay up and keep working and now you're not going to you're not eating together you're not going to bed yeah together. <laughs> and that's like, a, yeah it's a, it's a big problem it's a real thing yeah no it's, it's definitely a, a real problem and I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with that. They dealt with that before. Yeah. But I think now, like the general population, is dealing with that. And I where think it's where a do you think you you got your DNA for? Obviously, collecting the cans to fund your trip is is something that you you're doing what most people wouldn't do. Yeah. But, but but did you have any role models earlier in life with like having your own business? Yeah, I would say so. My dad worked in corporate, and I used to go to take your dad to work day. I actually wrote my college essay on my dad. And um, I just loved going to Nine West with him in the White Plains. It was so cool. I got all dressed up, got my lunch. The shoe, the shoe company. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was um, an SVP there, wow. and he used to travel to China and oh yeah, Taiwan and Brazil. So I always thought it was just like so cool. Did you get cool shoes? Oh, on the oh side? Um, at the time, my mom like lucked out. <laughs> but then when he went on to Skechers for a bit, like I lucked out because I was in middle school. So oh, was, he, and then he worked for Skechers. Yeah, that was cool. That's another good. Yeah, brand. that was that was very helpful at the time. Um, but yeah, no, so he, he inspired me, you know, he, um, actually one of the stories that's in the book, it's kind of funny. I wanted a cell phone. I went to Laurelton. A lot of the girls like got cell phones, you know, when they started school there. Cause you know, people come from different States in Connecticut and, or sorry, different cities. And, um, I go up to my dad. I was like, Hey, knock on his door. I remember being so nervous. I, I, I walk in and he's, you know, at his desk working and I'm like, so I really need a phone. <laughs> And I remember I was just like sweating, you know, my palms are sweating. And he's like, you want or need? And I was like, uh, both, but I, I really need one. <laughs> and he's like, so go earn it. And I was like, you know, that's child labor, right? I was a little smarty pants. And, and, and I was like, you know, I'm only 14. That's, that's the kind of thing I would have said. I was like, I'm only 14. Legally, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot. And he's like, that's too bad. He goes, well, you know, if you find a way, he's like, I'll get you your phone. Literally the next, or I think right after I talked, I was so mad. I was complaining to my mom, and she's like, "You know, it's, it's you know, I agree with your dad." Okay, yeah, figure like, it out. Yeah. So I <laughs> called up Big Known as Cheer and More. It was on New Haven Ave in Milford, and I drove by it on the way home from school, and I cheerleaded for a long time, Pop Warner, and then um, at Laurelton, and then college briefly. So I loved cheerleading, and I was like, "Oh, well, that'd be fun to work there." It's a small little shop, and so I called a lady up. I was like, "Hi." Yellow pages. This is yellow pages. I'm dating myself That's now. Old school, yeah. Yeah. So I looked up in the yellow pages, called um, her landline, and I was just like, "Listen, I really want a cell phone." I go, "I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't have a job. I've never had one." Um, I was like, "I will clean your toilets." I was like, "I will wipe your windows clean and dry." I was like, "I will do whatever you want me to do. I just really want the cell phone." But I go, "I'm not legally able to work. I don't know if you have a problem with that, but I was like, I'm a good worker." So she goes, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. I was like, that was easy. I wish every job was that easy to get. And um, yeah, six bucks an hour, you know. And um, honestly, that was my first experience like running a business because 
Um, I don't know if I could say this. I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, the business has been yeah not around for a while. And, say uh, the name but um, I already did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the cheer police. Yeah. yeah but anyway, yeah. so she um, she pretty much like would leave me there. And she would just run errands. Not not <laughs> not for the entire day or anything. Just, you know, brief little trips so you, out. It's like you had your own store. Yeah. So I like, you know, I'd clean up. I would help customers. I would take orders and POs, you know, pay for invoices. And um, it was an awesome experience. I wow. thought it was so cool. And I was essentially like the unofficial you know, undercover manager. And I was like, <laughs> I felt pretty awesome. And well, that's an incredible experience. It is. Amount oh, it of experience was. and variety of experience. There's yeah. plenty of people Customer who have been working for a decade who haven't done any of those. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You get to see kind of the inner workings of being a business owner plus doing the mm-hmm. customer service retail side, which is where most of us start out. Yeah. And I got my cell phone. So it was just, you know, accomplished. Yeah. So that was honestly what, one what of my, what did you get by the way? Um, it was one of those, um, Flip phone. It was like a Lenovo. I think it was that with the brand. No, Kyocera. Kyocera. Wow. And it was like yeah, it was back. like oval, and it had like a little antenna. Oh yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was wow. pumped. Wow. Hey. Yeah. You did it. You did yeah. it. Now, what's what's been a popular item with your um, promotional item? What's like a big seller? Um, we do a lot of apparel, uh, yeah. just because we work with a lot of like blue collar folks. Mm-hmm. Um, Uniforms and stuff. Yeah, a lot of um, like Carhartt hoodies yeah. and gear. Um, but we do do some custom stuff. Like we did a cool thing during the pandemic for, um, it was Partnership of Province Parks. We helped them win a grant that gave out twenty or two thousand art kits to kids in Providence because wow. they had gotten rid of art programs. And for me, yeah. the arts. I was yeah. a music major um, once upon a time, and yeah, the arts are very important. That's like one of the programs that sc- districts cut really. They're really fast to cut, even though I think that's a horrible thing to do yeah. because we need kids to be exploring that creative outlet. Um, not only for mental health, but just, you know, there's so many applications like w- with the arts, you know. Um, so that was a cool program. We um, put together 11 different art kit pieces into a bag and we helped them kit it Very and distribute cool. it. Um, so it was cool to see the kids get it and see the smile on their faces. That was an awesome project that we worked on. Um, so I like doing more custom things like that yeah. um, that have like, you know, a big purpose to it. Excellent. And speaking of purpose, tell, tell us how you evolved the company into this nonprofit. Yeah, so tech so we're actually a for-profit, but we've what we've created is a marketplace that houses impactful nonprofits. Okay. So we're creating a verification process to verify nonprofit impactful. Um, so we're not going by feelings or, you know, someone's cool branding, even though branding's very important. <laughs> <laughs> um we're we're judging purely based on numbers, analytics yeah. and impact and sustainable impact in a community. Mm-hmm. So we then list that nonprofit on our platform where people can then go to their profile. So it's almost like a Facebook profile. They could see their p- pictures, they could see analytics if they've, you know, paid the extra mile to have a program analyzed more in depth and they can donate 100% right there through to the nonprofit. Um so it's just we're adding another layer um, to fundraising for our nonprofits to have to give them um, to showcase the you know what they're doing in right. the community. And there's a there's synergy there because like you said for for when they're when they have an event or they have a cause or some kind of fundraiser they typically need promotional items. So yeah, kind of makes yep. Sense. There's some crossover for so it's sure. It's like a sister brand, if you will. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And um, we also do like this matchmaking service where we'll connect our verified nonprofits with corporations and small businesses that want to do good in the community and have a hundred percent guarantee that they're giving to the most uh, sustainably impactful um, spots in their community. Cause we believe that if, as a community, we start helping to transfer money 
in a big way to the most impactful spots. We can like lo- help lower crime. We can help lower taxes um, by having this mass push um, to the organizations that are doing the biggest, whether it tends to be these grassroots smaller organizations. Um, we have one here in Connecticut, actually, that the guys helped over 30,000 at-risk youths in 2015. One guy, small board, shoestring budget, you know, skeleton crew. And, um, you know, one of the women that went through his program, middle and high school students, is now working you know, on Wall Street, went to Yale. Another young man is working at Amazon as like a senior engineer. 20% of the kids want to go into STEM-related careers, which is big and really, you know, important nowadays with technology. And he has 40 schools nationwide that are looking for funding. $10,000 to fund a new program. I'm like, oh, if I can just get 10 companies in a given community where the school needs to be funded, we could fund another program. This impacts the infrastructure of that community, and it's an investment into the future talent pool. So it's really a no-brainer to think about giving in this way. We're finding most um, companies are donating whoever comes first without a strategy. So what we do is we help give them a consistent, diversified strategy for the year, and we kind of um, like plug in based on their goals and values, nonprofits that we verified impactful. Um, so we plan to take, you know, take this nationwide next year. Um, but this year we're mostly in New England. We have seven verified nonprofits. And um, we just feel that this is, you know, CSR, corporate social responsibility. It's like the future of marketing. Yes. Um, so uh, it's expected. Yeah. You know, it's like our young consumers coming into the, you know, into the world with purchasing power. Um, mm-hmm. They're deciding which brands they support based on what causes they get behind. Yeah. And it's it's that vote, They vote with their dollars. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, and also, too, they pick jobs based on that, too. Yeah. 68% of people will actually pick one job over another based on their give back. Um, and 71% of millennials will pay more for a product or service if there's some sort of give back component. So it's really, it makes sense. And if you're doing business in a community, you know, you really should be tithing to that community that you're, you know, benefiting from. It kind of creates this really awesome ecosystem of, you know, success for kind of like, the, you know, good for all, right? Um, and our kind of new motto is like innovation for good. Um, Excellent. Yeah. I love it. Um, where can people learn more about Ultra Swag and Ultra? Is that what I think it is? The Spanish for yeah. other yeah. Ultra? Otra way and otra swag. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, www.otraway.com. Um, and then otra swag will be like a piece of that. Okay. You'll be able you to can get navigate the, to it from. Exactly. From ultra way. Yep. O-T-R-A-W-A-Y. Yeah. Dot com. Yep. And the, it goes up um, this month, um, which is super exciting. Uh, right before Thanksgiving. So. Excellent. Yeah. Well, what an amazing story and an amazing journey and just someone that just never gives up. We, we really, uh, really loved having you on the show today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mission Control. Until next time, this is Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design. And we launch brands.